Jam tomorrow, jam yesterday, but never ever jam today. Cha 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 cha. Oh, hello, and welcome to Alice's Everywhere. My name is Heather. I am your host for all things Wonderland and Lewis Carroll, and today we are going to listen to and talk about some Alice in Wonderland inspired music. I had an all music episode once before, and we dug kind of deep and played some hippy dippy and then classical music inspired by the Walrus and the Carpenter. Today we are not digging deep. Today we are playing pretty much the most obvious Alice choice in the history of popular music, White Rabbit by Jefferson Airplane. I wanted to play Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds by the Beatles as well, the second most obvious choice, but I have so much to say about White Rabbit that there simply would not be enough time to properly dissect both songs in their entirety. So we will save Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds for later, perhaps on an all-Beatles-themed episode. Oh boy. Are these songs, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds and White Rabbit, under copyright? Most definitely. (laughs) Am I allowed to play them on a podcast? I really don't know. If Grace Slick or Yoko Ono gives me a call and says, Hey, Heather, you can't play that. Take that down. I will certainly comply with their wishes. And I said Yoko and not Paul there because Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds was almost totally a John song from the Beatles. Paul just contributed a little bit to that Lennon-McCartney number. I mean, it's not like I make any money off this podcast, so I don't know why Yoko would give me a hard time. Just leave me alone, Yoko, all right? I'm going to have a whole imaginary feud in my head with Yoko Ono now. But I'm getting way ahead of myself. If you just stumbled upon Alice's Everywhere, welcome. If you're thinking, oh my gosh, does she really just talk about Alice in Wonderland and Lewis Carroll for this entire podcast? Yes, that is absolutely what I do. If you want to bone up on your Alice books before going any further, head on back to episode one to start listening to and learning about Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. Go back to episode 15 to dive into its sequel, Through the Looking Glass, and what Alice found there. You know, I just welcomed new listeners. How about a special welcome back to my regular listeners? My tried and true. My bread and butter. Bread and butter, bread and butter. I appreciate you all so much, and I especially appreciate your patience, as I'm sure you have noticed. There have been rather long pauses in between episodes lately. That should be remedied shortly. You know what? I'm so appreciative. I'm going to call some of you out by name. Not your full names. You probably wouldn't like that very much. Heck, I don't even use my full name on this podcast, though in reality it would take very little online sleuthing to figure it out. Hint, it starts with an S and ends with an S and is the same last name as a flamboyant fitness guru and a lengthy tongued rock and roller. But enough about me. A hello and a big thank you to listener Amber, who is a very talented artist and sent me a handmade necklace out of the goodness of her heart. A belated, very big thank you to Tracy, who invited me to her wonderful Alice in Wonderland-inspired art exhibit in Escondido, California, which you can read all about on the Alice is Everywhere blog. Hello and thank you to Jody, who is wonderful and supportive and listens with her daughter Edith, which makes me so happy because Edith is the same age I was when I first read Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. Hi, Edith. I do love to hear from listeners of all ages, so please don't hesitate to say hi on Facebook or Twitter or tag me on Instagram or message me on Tumblr, or you can use the contact form on aliceseverywhere.com or email me at heather at aliceseverywhere.com. I usually give the spiel at the end of the show. Down is up today. I'll just have to end today's episode very abruptly. See ya. Like that.
Let's get on with White Rabbit, shall we? And yes, it is called White Rabbit. It is not called Go Ask Alice. I think that's a common misconception. And here's a fun fact for you. The Jefferson Airplane version that we are all familiar with was not the first version of White Rabbit to be recorded. The songwriter Grace Slick was in a different band called The Great Society before she joined Jefferson Airplane, and she first recorded White Rabbit with them. She also recorded Somebody to Love with The Great Society, probably her other most well-known song. The Great Society broke up in 1966, and Grace was invited to join Jefferson Airplane, and what a good decision by them, right? Invite someone to join your band and she immediately brings along your two biggest hits? The album those two huge hits were on was called Surrealistic Pillow, because of course it was. The song White Rabbit may be featured in every single movie I have ever seen about the 60s. Usually it's in a far-out sequence with lava lamps and groovy dancing, or maybe in a trippy montage featuring heavy drug use. Turns out that's pretty appropriate. As you guys know, there is no evidence that Alice author Lewis Carroll ever took recreational drugs but Grace Slick was a veritable super fan of such substances. P.S. Aren't you guys glad we're finally talking about this? I think I first promised to elaborate on this song back in episode 7, The Mad Tea Party, and possibly during chapter 11, Who Stole the Tarts? And we're finally doing it! Yay! Anyway, the story goes, one fateful day, Grace Slick took LSD for 24 hours while listening to the same Miles Davis album over and over again, and then she wrote White Rabbit in an hour. The Miles Davis album was called Sketches of Spain, for those that are curious. This scenario does not give the impression that Grace had a dog-eared copy of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland next to her that she was eagerly pawing through to ensure lyrical authenticity, but it's still really, really fun to interpret the White Rabbit lyrics, which we will do after we give it a listen right now. Just have some kind of mushroom 
the vocal performance there by Ms. Slick. Slick indeed. I mean, it's not as good as the version I did at karaoke a few weeks ago, but yeah, it was still okay. You guys probably noticed White Rabbit lyrics reference both Alice books, right? Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass. Two different books with many different characters, which she jumps back and forth between. I've got the lyrics in front of me, which I'm going to read two lines at a time and give my thoughts on each couplet. Hopefully that won't be too confusing. I think it will be clear where Gracie ends and Heather begins. One pill makes you larger and one pill makes you small. Technically, it's the eat me cake that makes you larger and the drink me bottle makes you small. Just for starters. And the ones that mother gives you don't do anything at all. Alice's mother never comes up. She is completely absent from the books. The nurse and the governess are mentioned a few times, but no mom, I don't believe. Go ask Alice when she's ten feet tall. The exact quote is rather more than nine feet high, but who's counting? And if you go chasing rabbits and you know you're going to fall, she didn't know she was going to fall. She followed, never once considering how in the world she was to get out again. End quote. Tell them a hookah-smoking caterpillar has given you the call. I guess the caterpillar called out to her once. Call Alice when she was just small. And she was small when he called out to her. This is getting all authentic up in here. When the men on the chessboard get up and tell you where to go. Okay, never mind that authentic comment. We're in looking glass land now? When did that happen? Also, it's a chess woman who gives Alice most of her directions. That would be the Red Queen. And you've just had some kind of mushroom and your mind is moving low. It's true you can't get much lower than your chin hitting your foot. Go ask Alice. I think she'll know. Eh, I don't know. She wasn't chock full of answers when that whole raven and writing dust thing came up, but whatevs. When logic and proportion have fallen sloppy dead, I think we're well past that, and the white knight is talking backwards, no he's not, and the red queen's off with her head, OMG, that's a queen of hearts, lady. Why doesn't anyone ever differentiate between those two? Remember what the dormouse said, feed your head, feed your head. That ending wail, of course, is the biggest conundrum of the whole song. The Dormouse never once said, feed your head, much less repeated it like a mantra. If one carefully inspects his entire oral contributions to the Mad Tea Party, nothing comes close to resembling feed your head. So what in the world could Grace Slick have had on her mind, besides copious amounts of hallucinogens? Hold on to your lava lamps, because I have this long-standing rock and roll mystery figured out. The Dormouse is, of course, heavily featured in Chapter 7 of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, A Mad Tea Party, but many folks forget he pops up later in the book as well. In Chapter 11, Who Stole the Tarts? The Dormouse enters the courtroom, arm-in-arm with a march hare, adorable, when the Hatter's called as a witness. As Hatter is being questioned by the judge-slash-king, this memorable exchange happens. Of course twinkling begins with a T, said the king sharply. Do you take me for a dunce? Go on. I'm a poor man, the Hatter went on, and most things twinkled after that, only the March Hare said. I didn't, the March Hare interrupted in a great hurry. You did, said the Hatter. I deny it, said the March Hare. He denies it, said the King. Leave out that part. Well, at any rate, the Dormouse said, the Hatter went on, looking anxiously round to see if he would deny it too, but the Dormouse denied nothing, being fast asleep. After that, continued the Hatter, I cut some more bread and butter. But what did the Dormouse say? 
one of the jury asked. That I can't remember, said the hatter. You must remember, remarked the king, or I'll have you executed. The miserable hatter dropped his teacup and bread and butter and went down on one knee. I'm a poor man, your majesty, he began. You're a very poor speaker, said the king. I didn't need to include that last part. I just like that sick burn from the king. The crucial parts are the hatter saying, Well, at any rate, the dormouse said. But what did the dormouse say? One of the jury asks. That I can't remember, said the hatter. Okay, here we have a major Alice in Wonderland character unable to remember what the dormouse said. This has to be what inspired Grace Slick, aside from the aforementioned absurd amounts of opiates, etc., etc. And not to toot my own possibly mistaken horn, but I have never heard this theory anywhere else. It seems pretty obvious to me. In her face-melting, piano-pounding state, Grace must have had a moment of acid-induced clarity. She channeled the spirit of the Reverend Charles Edwidge Dotson and realized, of course, this is what the Dormouse said. Feed your head! Feed your head! The Dormouse wants us to feed our heads with creativity, with original ideas containing both logic and nonsense and Corollian brain twisters and thoughtful ideas. Put down your cell phones, unless you're listening to the Alice's Ever podcast on it, then, then hang on to it. Read a book, paint a picture, go for a walk in the woods, feed your head, or feed your head with drugs. Actually, I guess she was probably talking about drugs. What do you guys think? Am I onto something there? The Hatter couldn't remember what the Dormouse said. I think I'm onto something. I wanted to end today with a completely frivolous anecdote that I forgot to include in our All Queens episode last time, and that is the story of White Queen Chardonnay. I'm always on the lookout for Alice-themed merchandise, and a year or so ago, I discovered a wine called White Queen Chardonnay. So, of course, I had to buy it. Upon which, I discovered that the label for White Queen Chardonnay had a picture of the Red Queen. An original John Tenniel illustration from Chapter 2 of Through the Looking Glass of not the White Queen at all, but the Red Queen. Now, because I am a crazy person, I wrote to the winemaker and said, Hey, did you know you're using the wrong queen for the label? Thinking that, of course, he mustn't know and he'd be mortified and probably recall all the wine in a flurry of shame and embarrassment and say, Oh my gosh, thank you, Heather. Thank you so much for telling me. And the winemaker did actually write back to me pretty quickly. And he basically said, yeah, I know that's not the White Queen. I just like the picture of the Red Queen better. You're the first person who's ever noticed. So, I guess a little literary integrity in my wine is too much to ask for in this age of Candy Crush and Kardashians. Maybe one can understand how one might not want to picture a borderline imbecile on one's wine, but... If you're dead set on making a Wonderland-themed white wine, and you don't like the White Queen, why not make white rabbit wine? Isn't that the perfect solution? Everybody wins. And then put a picture of the March Hare on the label. I kid. By the way, despite its incongruous label, White Queen Chardonnay is quite delicious. The winemaker's name is Matt Ahern, and his label is called The Wonderland Project. He makes wine for other expensive fancy pants brands, but he wanted to do his own wine and make a high-quality beverage with high-quality grapes at a reasonable price, and he definitely succeeded. I picked up a 2013 bottle at a local wine shop for 21 bucks, and while I prefer my everyday drinkers to be a few dollars less, you get a lot of bang for your buck with White Queen Chardonnay. 
And hey, I don't think we've eclipsed 20 minutes yet, so let's talk some more about the actual wine. Why not? The Wonderland Project's tasting notes describe unctuous notes of honey, spiced peach, nougat, marzipan, burnt sugar, and lemon cream. I mean, I didn't get all that, but I did experience the honey and peach notes and maybe a little marzipan. The weight of the wine is what makes it a real treat. It's nice and full without making you feel like you need to drink it with a fork, unlike some other huge and oaky California Chardonnays. That's because the wine was fermented in stainless steel, then aged for seven months in one-third new French oak, one-third neutral French oak, and one-third stainless steel. This proves to be a winning combination in both mouthfeel and finish. And if you'd like to read more about White Queen Chardonnay, or the song White Rabbit for that matter, you can check out the previously existing blog posts on those topics on aliceseverywhere.com. We in the business call that repurposing content. And that's the business of being lazy, if you were wondering. Hey guys, talk soon. See ya.